guys. Welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered. Uh, we are blessed to be joined by Antonio Camardi. David, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to uh, talk with me today. I'm super excited to talk to you. I see a potential cornerback one. I uh, can move very well. Does can play man to man very well. I think that he is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. He does things that are so amazing, and the competitor in him is just special. Um, I'm excited, man, and I I can't wait to get there. I think it does really fit my skill set. All right, guys, welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am young Ari Gold. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm James. Forgot. Forgot that's dead. Uh, I am joined by my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. And, John, we have an offense. We we do. I mean, that's exciting. That was fun. Um, you look like you're in a stadium. That, that's kind of different. Yeah, I am. I'm actually there right now. I'm just sitting down. Um, wanted to get comfortable. Um, and, yeah, some players might join us, might stop by. You guys uh, make sure you tweet out the link, retweet it, let everybody know that Deshaun will be here. Um, and tell you tell your friends. I got a question for you. Yeah. What's the over under on how many times we get asked tonight if we're going to sign Le'Veon Bell? Mm. Okay, so we already have forty three in. There's one in. Uh, I'm going to say seven. Seven. Are you taking the over or the under on seven? I'm going to take the draw at seven. The draw at seven. I'm going to go. I'll take the over. Okay, the overrun. Okay, okay. So, yeah, so for those that don't know, um, he was released uh, by the Jets about an hour ago. But before we get into that, uh, make sure you guys go follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod. You can follow me on Twitter. I forgot. I changed my handle. I believe my uh, Twitter is at HoustonFBPodGuy. Uh, you can follow John at John A. Wade 3 and you can follow Jordan at Texans underscore thoughts. He'll be joining us later to do question and answers. Uh, you can follow uh, Patrick Storm at Patrick Storm TU. And you can follow Jair at J- JRL Sports TU on Twitter as well. Uh, make sure you go to our, go to our website, TexansUnfiltered.com. I'm working on a piece uh, titled The Most Important Decision the Texans Have Made uh, or Are Going to Make uh, regarding the coaching decision and everything that needs to go into it. Uh, that should be out later this week. Uh, and yeah, make sure you guys go to patreon.com backslash Texans unfiltered. If you guys want the instant reactions on Sunday, those are a lot of fun. I have a lot of good, good times doing that with Jordan and John. Uh, this week it was with Patrick, which is great. Uh, we have hats. Make sure you guys go to the merch tab, um, on our website. And I think that's everything. So now we can I've get into you something. What's up? You know, I've got to change graphics and things like that. When you change your Twitter handle, can yeah. you give me a heads up? Like, especially because I don't know if you're joking yeah. or if it's serious or what. So now I feel all unprofessional. We'll get to the end credits, and your Twitter will be wrong. So I'm sorry. Is it possible for you to change it while I talk for 10 minutes? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No big deal. Um, nah, it's no big deal. It is what it is. Uh, if, they're, if they haven't followed me already, then, you know, they're probably not going to. Uh, all right. So let's, let's do some housekeeping first and foremost. Uh, BMAC on the IR. Uh, is this the end of his time here in Houston? Um, shoulder injury. Are we sure it's for the season, though? Has that been? Because remember, that was different this year. I haven't seen season ending. I have not either, but 
all the uh, all the media that's closer to the stadium. I mean, granted, they're not inside the stadium like you, but all the media that's closer to them. That I heard, I heard that, and I saw that repeated several times throughout today. That he's probably played his last snap. So I'm going with the assumption, but I do want to forewarn everybody that is just an assumption. We don't know. It hasn't been officially released. Yeah, maybe Patrick can drop it in the comments. Uh, but I think he might be out for the season. Um, but either way, uh, all right. So yeah, I mean Bernardrick McKinney. Oh, he put um, it in caps that it's he's out for the year. Okay. Um, Bernardrick McKinney out for the year uh, off of a game where you know Tyrell Adams looked like a player for us. Uh, it was against the Jaguars. I want everybody to understand tonight the conversation that we're going to have while we should celebrate a Texans win. As you guys know, I am ultra critical of this team and everything that they do. Uh, so you have to keep in mind that this win, while great, while needed, it was against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So while everybody is probably high-fiving, they jumped out of their seat, Keep in mind that we played a terrible defense that was lacking a pass rush superstar in Josh Allen. They were lacking their best corner and also like their third best corner in DJ Hayden. They were missing Miles Jack. So this was not a full Jaguars team. And um, as soon as I say that, I see that it drops from like 60 to 45. <laughs> Are you scaring everybody away, dude? <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, anyways, uh, so yeah, I mean, look, we got to keep it real, right? I mean, we're we're about to play the Tennessee Titans. Um, there was a lot of good to take out of this game. Don't get me wrong; the offense looked a lot better. Looked like Deshaun was in more control. Lots of good things going on. But I just want to make sure that we, while we recap this game, we discuss the fact that it was against the Jacksonville Jets. We're down to thirty-five now. <laughs> They're like, we're going to go watch the Astros. They're like, like all right. Um, just going to bad mouth everything. We're just going to. Insane. Gonna... My God, we were 0-4. <laughs> <laughs> what did you, you guys expect? Dude, I should have started off. Like, you're you're right, and those are valid points. The Jaguars are, are horrible. I'm pretty sure they didn't even have a safety at the end of the game. They came into the game already starting their fourth safety, yep. and then both of them got hurt. So I don't even know who was playing safety. It might have been you back there just letting people run by because you would have done the same thing as, as they did. However, you got to keep in mind that this is the NFL, and even replacement-level teams, even crappy teams can sometimes surprise you. So it always should be an accomplishment when you go out there and you take care of business and you do it in a convincing way, especially when the Texans really got their act together in the second half. If they played the entire second half, that game would have been just an absolute blowout. It would have been a smoke show. It would have been great. but. Always trying to keep it in mind, keep it balanced. They could have gone out there and completely, you know, continued to play like they did in the first half and eked it out. And then if we had won and we'd only won by like three points or because of the two missed field goals, then we could sit here and we could really pout. But this one, I, I think we can take it not so much of a grain of salt, but, you know, it, it's something that we can at least be happy about and, and look at it as something to build on. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that's definitely the, the, the path we need to take is, is looking at it. Uh, while we should celebrate the win, we just need to make sure that we look at it from the right perspective. And uh, the right perspective is that it is a game to build on. It was a new coaching. So there's still time for them to get even better. Um, but at this time, we need to still understand that it was against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, it was great. Uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll go to the uh, – to the show notes, so I don't get yelled at as usual. 
and we will go through the game recap because uh, John yells at me a lot. So when you guys aren't paying attention, you guys see John as like this soft, you know, soft-spoken, uh, educated football guy, kind of takes it easy, lets James be who James is. But once the camera's off, um, he turns into a diva. Yeah, that's uh, exactly that's exactly it. Yep, just out there uh, demanding. I'm demanding that it's my voice on Instagram. I'm, I'm demanding these things. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, no, Jordan will be here for question and answers. He had some stuff he had to take care of this weekend. Uh, prayers to Jordan for some of the things that happened with his hedgehog over the weekend. Uh, losing a pet is never fun. Um, so obviously we're here for we're here for that. So um, he'll be here later uh, for sure. So. All right. Uh, all right. So let's get let's get into this. Let's start with I think the number one thing that people want to talk about is offensive play calling. Uh, John, what did you see from the offense this last week that made you feel good about where this team is going? So essentially it was they flipped everything. If you take a look at Deshaun's stats, how he ended the game, they are almost identical to how they've been the past four weeks. Yet if I had asked anybody what out of these past, you know, five weeks would it, was Deshaun's best game? When I ask you that today, what is the first thing you're going to say? Deshaun's best game? This this year. This one? Right. But if you look at just the stats, purely the stats, it's almost identical to the previous four. Oh, is it really? I haven't even For looked. Real. Like, it's exact same pass attempts, same completion percentage. He actually had more interceptions than he typically does. Okay. So what was when you hear that, what 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 was different? There was something obviously different. For me, you want me to answer that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was play calling. I mean, play calling was completely different. The team the the team looked more engaged. Uh, people were you know wide open. Randall Cobb was pretty much open the entire game. I watched it all twenty two today. Um, they got Brandon Cooks going in space, which is where he needs to go. Lots of RPO, lots of play action. Outside runs, uh, you know, it's it's funny how that works uh, when you uh, sprinkle those in. A couple rollouts. Uh, basically, the things that Deshaun Watson should be doing in general. Specifically, though, it, even even all those things are, are correct, but it was specific, specifically the order. They were using the pass to set up the passing game. They were using the pass to set up the running game. So David Johnson, of course, had a huge, or a huge game. Uh, as a team, we were over 120 yards rushing. Uh, 97 year were to Johnson or David Johnson himself. And all of this was because they got with the modern NFL and realized that you don't run to set things up. You can run a play action pass without running the ball at all. And it's still effective because it's just getting people to, to bite. So all they literally did was flip the script, especially in the second half. They would pass on earlier downs and they would um, go for easier completions and they really relied on Cobb and Cooks to to move the ball. Everything else, though, like, I mean, it's, it's crazy how that, like, the numbers don't really change that much, but the entire game, the feel of the game, the look of Deshaun, the look of our running game, all changed just based on the play call. Yeah, no, for sure. I think the biggest thing I took away outside of that was just the fact that Deshaun looked um, – to be more in control. Uh, you know, he was audibling, looked like he had more control of the offense. Um, he was really, you know, he, he really looked as if he was 
he he had the offense at his fingertips. He was able to do what he wanted to do, and I think that we saw that, and and that's why he excelled. Um, and it's not something we've seen. I mean, we've seen him audible here and there, right? He'll check into the right play based on the reads, but um, you know, going to the line and making a full audible, we don't see a lot of. And um, it, it, it's those things that we need. We need Deshaun to be able to go out, read the defense. Uh, have an understanding on where he should go, what his guys should route, you know, run, you know, what route they should run, uh, what their hots are, things of that nature. And uh, that's what we saw. And when we see that, he did exactly what you would expect him to do. He looked so comfortable on Sunday. Even in the first half when he struggled, um, he he just looked, I don't know, he just looked in, engaged, man. He looked yeah. so happy. Like, this is the first game where I've seen him bouncing around with his headphones pregame. Uh, you could just tell it was a different type of vibe. Yeah, definitely. I mean, somebody put in chat, is Deshaun inaccurate? He's at a 70% completion percentage. Um, he's yeah. on pace to finish the year probably right 68 69%. So he's right there. That is where you want to be in the NFL. Anything above 65 in the NFL, you're a good quarterback. If you're 65, you're average. If you're below 65, you shouldn't be in the NFL. Um, and Deshaun is – Deshaun's good. Like, he, he just is. And we had commented about previous games where they weren't making it easy for him. Nothing was ever easy. This was the first game where it looked easy and things flowed and things clicked. And – Ultimately, my point with, with all this is when coaches start talking about numbers, when they start talking about, oh, we have to run for 100 yards to win, it amazes me that it goes over their heads when you look at a game like this. Or, yeah, you could pull it six weeks from now and say, hey, we score, we rushed it for over 100 yards. We have to rush for under 100 yards to win. Our rushing yards came in junk at junk time. They came after we had already put the game away and we controlled the game. And then we were running to kill the clock. That's why we got over 100 yards. It's that stupid narrative <laughs> that just needs to die. And let Deshaun do Deshaun things because this is what happens, a game like this. And, again, if you pull out the box score, it's not going to blow you away. But I don't know. He's still through for 359 yards. But that's, a, that's a good That's a good game. <laughs> Because he usually hovers right between 275 and 300. So those were the better routes ran by the receivers. Like, there was just it was just a better called game. It was a better called game. And those interceptions really, you know, sure, he, I think that Fuller ball could have been thrown a little bit better, more on the outside, uh, to where if the only person that could get it would be Fuller, uh, not a safety coming over the top. Um, but, you know, the batted ball is really, I mean, there's just nothing you could really do. That's going to happen. Um, I think that's the first time he's had a two interception game in like I think it was like fourteen games or something like that. So I mean we know he's not Mr. Turnover, um, in the sense of like when you when you think of like most gunslingers, right? Like they're they're they usually lead the league in interceptions and also touchdowns like James Winston, well, like Brett Favre His rookie year was hyper aggressive and there were more there were more were more interceptions. Which and that fine. was one of and that was one of the things that Bill O'Brien came in and he said, we're going to cut down on the interceptions. We're going to do more of death by a thousand paper cuts. And with this game, it seemed a little bit like, you know what? He's going to throw and he's going to throw aggressively. And sometimes things happen like the second interception that bounces off Fuller's hands. Like, I really don't think that that was a bad decision. It was poor execution, but it wasn't a bad decision. Like that was a, 
Fuller could have made a play on that ball. I mean, maybe you could have let him a little outside a little bit more, but I, I don't fault that. Things like that happen. And I would rather Deshaun go out there trying to push those throws because, you know what, he's going to make them work more often than not. Yeah, no, I would agree. I also think that there's going to be more added to this offense. You have to remember and keep in mind this is really a short week to implement a whole new game plan, a whole new offense. They just went with things that they've done in the past and added some new wrinkles to it. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily Deshaun's rookie year play calling this last week. There were parts of it, but it wasn't like a full game. And I don't expect them to go back to 2017, but I do expect them to start to do some of the things that they did do that year uh, to get Deshaun going again. I, I think the biggest key is we need to see them doing it in a in a early and often. It can't be something that you know we're we're set, like we're setting up the run early on and, and we we find ourselves in a deficit. You know, the reason why this run game was able or this run defense was able to play so well is because they played with a lead. Yeah. It's a big difference. It's it's a lot easier to stop the run when you're playing with a lead. I know we're not talking about the defense right now, but like those that those things, that's complimentary football. That's that's even though Bill O'Brien's not here anymore, you're even hearing the players still and Rack and Tim Kelly talk about it still in their press conferences. It's because it's needed. So when the offense can go out there and drop 30, uh, and that that puts you know that puts the opposing offense in in a, in a different situation, and that that's the biggest thing that we need to understand. So this this team still has to get going early. They still need to have be able to sustain drives, and they did. They did. They sustained drives. I think they had zero three and outs. Fantastic. But you have to put points on the board early. You know you can't go to halftime with 10 points. You got to go to halftime with you know 14, 18, something of that nature. And then you need to be able to match that in the second half. Uh, and, yeah, so, uh, you know. Well, I, hope they and, remem- I hope they remember it the second half going forward because this team was built to be aggressive. And then they got in their own way. And yeah. hopefully the reason for that is gone because you can't play conservative football with this team. That roster is not built in that way. This roster is built to be hyper-aggressive, and they have to do it. Well, here's the thing. So this is this is actually a, this is a really good point, and we kind of talked about it a little bit. We'll, I guess we'll get into the run game now. Uh, David David is fine. He didn't look great, but we haven't been using him the right way until now. That's a big point. I think also if you go on Twitter and you just watch the the cherry picked clips that people are posting, uh, they're 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 choosing the clips where he decides to uh, not make the right cut or doesn't make a cut. But with those two or three clips that people are showing of of David Johnson not cutting properly, you're going to see six to eight more plays where there is literally nowhere for him to go, specifically in the first half. There were a lot of plays where the run lanes were blocked. They were clogged. There was nowhere for him to go. And, you know, it's hard when you're, when you're taking snap from where he's taking snap on the right side of Deshaun to bounce that back outside, um, especially when the run is not designed to go that way. So, um, he definitely needs to get better. I think the biggest issue I have with, with David right now is just the, the first contact, uh, not being able to move past the first contact. He's going down on first contact every single time, specifically, you know, that screen, that screen could have went for more. But also, Deshaun missed him in the end zone. Uh, he's missed him in the end. He missed him in uh, on that sluggo in, in week two or week one, either way. Um, it was a beautiful route. Basically made the, the quarterback just slip and fall out of his shoes. So, you know, I, I agree that David has to be better, not not pandering or, you know, defending him. He has to be better. I'm sure he knows that. But 
We also need to see him used more effectively, and he has to have a run. Like, I know run blocking was a great grade, but, like, I would like to know what they go into, what, like, what, how that grade is made, because is it is it sustaining blocks in the run game, or is it creating holes in the run game? Like, that, that, that'd be interesting to see. Yeah, so for the ESPN win, my understanding is it's a helmet on pads. Or so as long as they're hitting their guy, they're essentially counting it as a win as an off- for the offensive line. They're not letting their guy by. And here's the thing about David. He's – I'm a little worried about him because he's not breaking tackles. But at the same time, he's not losing yards. He's just not really gaining them. So I still I think this is two weeks in a row that he hasn't had a negative run. Is this true? Yeah, I, I need to double check it. But it's either two either two weeks in a row or two out of three weeks he hasn't had a negative run. He's just not creating. However, this time they did run him off ta- off tackle a couple more times. I think they yep. ended up um, having five off tackle runs, and he's closer to. Um, like Tevin Coleman, when Tevin Coleman was really good a couple of years back for, for Atlanta, um, they have to run off tackle. They have good speed. They pretty much run straight. They don't break tackles and they are great receivers. Yep. And that's what David Johnson is right now. However, what concerns me is Romeo Cornell was talking about him. Oh, he's the big back versus. Well, he is the big back. Well, yeah, but using him versus Duke Johnson right. where. He was like, sometimes you just need a bigger back. And to me, that just sounds kind of kind of concerning because don't you want the efficient back? And I don't know. To me, I granted, the way Cornell said it, he's like, some games it may be a Duke game, some games it may be a David game. But I think that there should be more of at least an even split because good things do happen when Duke touches the ball. And for him to only get – Four touches last game. That's that's not not the bet. But let me ask you this: Do you think that this is a good chance that maybe Duke's still coming back from injury, and and they're just they just have him to to ensure that they can use him if needed, or they get in a bind, or they want to do their you know I think they only ran the dual, the double running back set uh, twice. I think this game. I just wonder if if that if that plays a part into why because I I'm in the camp of I want to see Duke. And David split carries. I don't want a you know a twenty two twenty three and a five or a six. I want like a fourteen sixteen. Uh, you know David can still have the you know the more carries, but I want to see them split, especially because even though Duke isn't known as a runner to a lot of people, and that's fine, but he has a good cut and, and he's able to gain yardage. So you know I, I wouldn't be opposed to to using Duke in those same situations. Split the carries. That's all you need to do. Well, according well, to uh, Pro Football Focus, like Duke Johnson is the better between the tackles runner, and David Johnson's better off tackle runner. Makes you would sense. never know this based on usage, but if you see how they actually produce, you can see it. Yeah, no, I would agree. Um, uh, you know, I think with David, it, you know, it, it's going to take some time. Um, you know, we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see it a little bit more. You know, are they going to get more creative in the run? Uh, things of that nature, but, um, you know, the offensive line also needs to do a better job, and the scheme needs to be better for him to be able to be able to produce, too. I mean, that really is a big part. I mean, there really are – I promise you guys, go watch. There's a ton of 
ton of run plays where there's just nowhere for him to go. Um, there was even one that out, somebody. Um, I'm sorry. I was going to shout out um, Mar- Mar- Marco Keen. Um, it was, he said that the SPM thing is that they hold a block for 2.5 seconds. Yeah. So. See, which tells you nothing. It just tells them? you they have, What's the difference <laughs> between that and, the, and pass protection? They hold them for three seconds? Like, uh, how does that <laughs> really doesn't impact the, the run the run blocking, in my opinion? You can, you can block a guy for two and a half, but are you creating holes? Like, are you pushing them outside and creating a hole? Or are you just in the same spot where they connect, where they – connect with you and you're keeping them there. All right. Uh, Our pass rush run rate right. metric tells us how often a pass rusher is able to beat his block within 2.5. The pass block win rate is within 2.5. For a run stop win rate, a defender must earn a win by doing any of the following, beating his blocker so he's in better position to stop the runner, disrupting the pocket, or running lane. Um, and it does – all it says for the the offense is vice versa. Uh, real quick, so. real quick to answer this guy's. Uh, he says, "No, we can't beat the Titans." Um, I understand that they just beat the Bills, but if you compare the ta- Titans' defense to the Jags' defense, uh, total yards uh, um, allowed thirty-two for the Jags, thirtieth for the Titans. Total rushing yards allowed thirty-second for the Titans, twenty-one for the Jags. Total passing yards thirty seconds for the thirty-two for the thirty-second for the Jags, twenty-two for the Titans. Uh, sack, uh, sacks per pass attempt, 31st for the Jags, 28th for the Titans. Third down efficiency, 23rd for the Jags, 31st for the Titans. And red zone efficiency, 9th for the Jags, 31st for the Titans. So you're going up against a team who's who's worse defensively than the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I don't think people realize how bad the Titans' defense is. I know they played the Bills, but I'm just telling you. Um. Well, it looks like they got some of those extra practices in based on how they handled the Bills. Granted, here's the thing. It's, if we get out to an early lead, we're going to be that team. If we get out to an early lead, we can hang, play with anybody. If we don't go out there and score quickly, I'm, I'm scared. Because, again, like you said just a couple of minutes ago, and we'll talk about a little bit more with the defense, when we're ahead, our defense looks a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would agree. Um, all right, so let's talk about the offensive line real quick. Um, they looked so much better this week. They looked like what we expected them to look like. There were still issues, right? Fulton still got blown up a couple times. Um, you know, there there were some things that that Titus had a great game. Uh, you know, Tunsil had a, an amazing game too. Senio actually had a really good game. Martin, you know, he looked a little sluggish, but he 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 had you know a good game based on what we've seen so far this season. Uh, I think that there's a real good – I think there's a real reason to be optimistic about this offensive line. Um, so I, I just knew those weren't in the notes, so I just wanted to talk about the offensive line. And, you know, this was their best game of the season so far. This and But you played the Jaguars, whose only pass rush was Caleb on chasing on. Like, outside of that, you know, there's really nobody else to really worry about. But um, – yeah, so, I don't know, anything on the offensive line, John? Honestly, the reason that they got left out was because I didn't know how to grade them or talk about them this week because of the team that they played. Um, the Jaguars were missing their best pass rusher, their best linebacker. Um, and I guess I'll say this, the offensive line actually performed this week how we expected them to perform at the beginning of the year. Um, 
they looked good and it was needed. And I think this was the biggest pocket that Deshaun had all season. He actually took this was his highest time to throw game. Granted, it was only by a tenth of a second more, but he had more time to throw and more time to operate. So, you know, they did good. Um, Next week will be a better test, like everything, but this is a good get-right game for them. Yeah, and I think, you know, for the offense, if that's what, you know, right now to wrap up the offense, what I take away from this game is that there are adjustments being made, made. The game plan is evolving and adapting to defenses. They came out in the second half and made adjustments to be able to take advantage and apply pressure to the Jaguars. Deshaun looked more comfortable. The wide receivers were able to get separation, and Deshaun was able to get everybody involved. This is also a week where they missed, in my opinion, uh, tight end number one and Jordan Akins, who in, I think Deshaun missed in the first half. He's been his security blanket all year, uh, and, and, and he's gone to him early. And then this week he didn't have him, and you wonder if that's why, you know, he adjusted. Maybe they thought that they could go include Darren Phils in the game plan in the way that they thought they could with Jordan Akins. Um, but Jordan Akins is a better tight end than Darren Phils, and I think that the lack of Jordan on the field made a massive impact on Deshaun's approach to the first half. I think him being back this week will be a big boost for this offense. Uh, all right. Let's Granted, I think about- it allowed them to kind of find something as we start to talk about the uh, receivers. I firmly believe that the offense works best if you run through Cobb and through Cooks because of their skill sets. Uh, Fuller should be used closer to like a Deshaun Jackson type, you know, a couple of receptions close to 100 yards and a touchdown, but he only needs three or four receptions to do that. Um, whereas Cobb, hit him catching the ball over the middle really left an impression on me this week because I think that allows Deshaun to gain so much confidence. Like Cobb would ca- make some of these catches and get absolutely rocked immediately, but they would continue to move the chains. And this is why those slot receivers always have so many dropped balls, because they get lit up when they catch it. But for him to go out there and do that, I think that that just builds a comfort level. And I think that's what Deshaun was looking for with Aikens. And Aikens did nothing to dispel that, and he has done nothing wrong other than not get targeted enough. But Cobb was just open, like he was always open. For weeks we've been complaining about him being open but he was actually getting targeting. And then the same thing with Cooks. Cooks is the probably the most – he's probably the most versatile receiver we have on the roster. Like, Cooks is really, really good. I don't think people quite realize how good he is because he's always had a great quarterback throwing to him. But, yeah, they were lining him up everywhere, and this was closer to what we were expected. I mean, you take away that long reception at the end, the 36-yard one, and he's still over 130 yards. Like, he had a game. Yeah, no, he did, and he he just looked more involved, right? Like, to me, that's really the biggest thing. I know that a lot of people have talked about a separate lack of separation through the last, you know, four weeks and things of that nature. The separation wasn't much different this week in, at, at times, um, but it was more of the play calling and, and, and scheming him open and putting him in a position to succeed. Like on that, I think on the, on the throw where basically the first pass of the game on offense for the Texans, that 35-yard pass, he was impressed, man. He looked, he faked inside, broke out, and he was just wide open. You're not going to be able – that's going to be very hard for any corner to stop. You have two guys who can do that. Really, you have three with Kenny. So, 
Um, yeah, it's just, you know, he needs to build confidence in the scheme, build confidence, connect with Deshaun, which they did that. So the chemistry should be there and continue to build. And then, you know, when you add the fact that you have Wolf Fuller opposite and you have Jordan Akins and all these other things, right? Like there's a lot of good things that can happen. Brandon needs to be involved, but I wouldn't expect Brandon to be the guy next week. I would expect it to potentially be like, that's just the way this offense is going to look. It's going to be very Patriots-esque if you play fantasy football. Outside of Julian Edelman on the Patriots, there is nobody else that you need to start on this on this offense. So wait, who are you saying should start? <laughs> nobody. You shouldn't start anybody. Oh, who's, it, our it's Julian Edelman? Crap who's, who's who's our safety blanket? I mean, Randall Cobb is the guy, right? I mean, I, I, he he's always open. Deshaun look, looks for him in the middle of the field. Um, I, you know, he had a really good game. He's always open. Yes, I mean, he, he really is. And he's always open. And that goes back to my original point about maybe it was a good thing that Aikens was out this week, so Deshaun adjusted and started looking for looking for Cobb because Cobb is always open. Yeah, always. Um, but you know, if, I, I think if I was to start anybody on this team, I would probably start Aikens. To answer your question, um, yeah. But Randall Cobb looked great. I mean, he really did. That 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 middle of the field for Deshaun is where he wants to go. Yeah. And you know, you might have seen an increase in targets with Randall because Jordan Aikens was out. Because usually Jordan will be eating in the middle, either that or on the out routes, which is also where we were hitting Randall. But um, I think, you know, Randall is, is an, a very important piece. He's a consistent performing tight end. Like, I mean, sorry, slot wide receiver. And Deshaun has lacked that since he's been here. Even if you remember with Bruce Ellington, when Bruce would play, Bruce would get fed. But because he was always hurt, we can never actually build the chemistry with Bruce. And yet Deshaun still looked his way whenever he was on the field. So um, Randall Cobb is in a very important piece, and he plays a very important role in this offense. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see if that continues because, you know, he is always open. Yeah. Uh, Cobb, it looks like he ran almost all of his routes from the slot. Cooks ran everything, slot, inside, outside. It looks like he lined up at tight end. And Fuller stayed predominantly on the outside. Yeah. And that worked. Yeah. Um, all right, so Will Fuller, I mean, uh, had a touchdown. It was a great play, great heads-up play on that touchdown. Uh, wasn't targeted often, but was when targeted. He, you know, he made his receptions outside of that um, that interception on the outside. But, um, you know, Will Fuller, like I said, he's going to be – this offense is going to be a give-and-go offense. It's going to be this guy. It's going to be this guy. Next week it's going to be this guy. It's going to be very hard to predict, you know, the production from these individuals on the team specifically. But, um, you know, I Will Fuller is a threat. slide that Will Fuller pulled off was one of the coolest touchdowns ever. I would agree. It was that pretty was neat. Cool. Just the fact that he knew, like, to continue to play. Yeah. Um, and um, trying to think. Is there anything else on the – uh, a little bit on Fells, um, two receptions, one TD. Um, yeah, that was a big one, though. Better, but, hey, Deshaun saw him, fed him, and he had all day to run. Yep. Uh, there was Did he surprise anybody that, on that? Do what? Did he surprise you on that, that he was able to, to, to actually get into the end zone? A little bit, a little bit. I thought somebody was going to run up from behind him, but. Yeah, I just, that, I, I thought that the entire time the play was going on. 
I can tell you that that one pass to Farrell Brown where Farrell Brown got taken out by his uh, shoelaces, if Akins was in, that's a touchdown. Yeah, no, yeah, with Akins it would have been a um, – it would have been a touchdown a lot faster. <laughs> a lot faster. But, yeah. All right. I can also see – I can also tell why Fer, um, they actually signed Farrell. Farrell was a pretty good blocker. Um, he was a better – he did a better job blocking than, than Fells did. Um, and then I guess we're on to the defense, unless you got something else yeah. there. No, that's it. Um, no, I think it's actually – yeah, no, that's it for me on the offense. We got three uh, sacks on Mr. Minshew. Yeah, three sacks, uh, you know. Winnie Merciless, you know, people are he, he he heard some of the he heard some of the slander. He uh you know, another slack another sack, he's the team leader at three. Uh Jacob Martin, another sack for him as well. Um but Whitney, you know I, I wanna say Whitney's putting it together, but we've seen this from Whitney before. And 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 we've talked we talked about it all off season. Whitney shows up when JJ's on the field. Uh you can almost you should give each sack from Whitney to JJ in the in the in the stack column. Oh, definitely. I mean, Whitney is – I've said it before, and I'm going to just restate it one more time. Whitney gets sacks because he's always in the right place at the right time. Like, he plays fundamentally sound. Like, he gets those cleanups, the cleanup sacks. There, There is definitely a role for that. That's definitely a skill. But he's no longer able to generate pressure on his own. Like, he has to have somebody else – causing the disruption for him to for him to get numbers. And right now Hall, Watt, and Martin are actually causing a lot of disruption. Like they may not necessarily be reflected in the stat lines because you know defense isn't always reflected in stat lines. But right. Merciless is the type of player that that compete on that. And that is, like I said, definitely there's a role and purpose for that. Um that's a, an above average player. But I don't know about paying somebody $54 million to be that sort of player. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about it before, but that contract was a basically like paying him for past production. I don't think they gave him that contract thinking that he was going to outperform what he has done. Uh, and if that's the case, like that's just a terrible way to run a franchise. That's a terrible way to run a business in general. If you're, if you're paying an employee for what they've done, yet you don't believe that they can replicate what they've done to this point, don't do it. If you own a business, listen to me, don't do it. You're wasting money. Um, and uh, it's just, it, you know, I, I think Whitney can get to, you know, eight, nine sacks. I, I don't expect him to go back to, what was it, 2014 or 15 when he had, I think, 10 and a half. Um, but, you know, he, he's a productive player at times, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, what can you expect from Whitney? I'd love to say you can expect this to continue, and you might be able to, um, but he just hasn't shown that he is that dominant pass rusher on the outside. Yeah. Again, we questioned this contract when it was signed. Um, Martin should definitely be getting, snack, or getting snaps over Merciless. And, I mean, it's kind of tough to say because I, I do like Merciless. I, I love him as a person. Like, he's he seems like just the best guy. But 
it honestly, we should have Martin, and hopefully Grenard can actually turn into a player if he's ever healthy, and that should actually be our outside. Granted, right now, Scarlett just needs to get off the field. Even this week, Scarlett still needs to get off the field. Why is he out there? I mean, I have no freaking clue, dude. I mean, he does nothing well. I mean, he got he got juked like ten times on one play by Gardner Minshew. I was sitting there screaming at the TV. I had no idea what the hell was going on. Brennan Scarlett looked like if you put freaking Chris Farley out there, and he was supposed to tackle Minshew. I mean, that's literally what he looked like. He he was he got put on skates nine different times. It was out of this freaking world how he looked. Jacob Martin should be getting all of. Uh, Brendan Scarlett snaps. There, there's no reason. I don't care if you're dropping Scarlett in, in coverage. You've dropped Jacob in this coverage as well. Jacob's just as good against the run. He's a better pass rusher. Jacob Martin has to take those snaps. And I don't understand why. I don't understand why Brendan Scarlett is on the field. And that's the issue. The I only have. thing that Martin cannot do that Scarlett can is if you move Martin inside on some of those more exotic zone blitzes, it, it, he can't. He can't. He has to be on the outside. And Scarlett, you can at least move him inside to at least get a little bit of, like, a little bit of a push. He'll at least, you know, the offensive lineman will at least look at him, whereas Martin on the inside, they just kind of laugh. So, yeah, that's the that's it. And that's almost a – in my mind, that's almost like an addiction to them trying to run these zone blitz schemes more often than it's really necessary. Just let Martin go out there and let him do Martin things because he he doesn't need to be schemed up to create pressure. Yeah, and, and like, at the same time, like, if if Jacob Martin gets burned on a run, like, if you go look at the film, Brendan Scarlett gets burned on runs too. So, like, at this point, what is the purpose of playing him over Jacob Martin? We the need to know that- what we get. The other thing about Martin is he gets burned on a run. He has the speed to catch back up. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, you, you know, if you slow down, like, like, for instance, this week against Derrick Henry, if your linebackers are able to somewhat slow, if, if Jacob Martin misses Derrick Henry in the open field and the linebackers slow him down, Jacob Martin's going to be able to run back and catch him to finish off the tackle. Scarlett can't even do that. Like, just play him on special teams. That's it. He's great on special teams. That doesn't mean that he's great on defense. Well, making your core is, is, is fine if he's not getting that many snaps. Like he just doesn't need that many. If he's there as like a spot every now and then, that's fine. But for him to get at starter level snaps, um, he's getting over fifty percent of the snaps at defensive or at outside linebacker. That's too much. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I, we need to see more Jacob Martin. We need to see it soon. Uh, it, it's getting a little bit out of hand. We're getting a lot of t- uh, questions about uh, Lonnie Johnson. You guys will get to you uh, with that. Tyrell Adams, uh, what do we think of him? I think he's I think he's a faster version of BMAC, uh, not as 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 physical, uh, but still able to play to run extremely well. He's very disciplined. Uh, if you guys go to uh, Jordan's um, if you go to Jordan's Twitter, you'll see him do a Tyrell Adams film breakdown. Uh, there's lots to like about Tyrell Adams, and, and we saw a little bit of it last year, so we're really he's just building on it. Uh, he's got speed. Uh, he has great discipline. He sticks to his assignment, and he has the speed to be able to recover when biting on, like, play actions and things of that nature. I don't know what he looks like in zone coverage, um, but I would say that he 
it, it's hard to say he's an upgrade over BMAC because we're going up against the Titans. So, like, I like I could say he's an upgrade over BMAC for the season, and you guys would thrash me next week because Derrick Henry could easily just run him over. Um, and Derrick Henry does that to everybody. I mean, he did it to Edmonds earlier in the Bills game, and Edmonds is a great linebacker. So, um, But Tyrell Adams came in. He did what he's supposed to do on a week where there was no Bernard Drew McKinney. He needed to step up. He looked really good. He led the team in tackles. Uh, and, you know, I think that there's a reason to be optimistic about the season on defense with him instead of BMAC, which sucks because I've always been a big BMAC, you know, supporter. But um, at this point in time with him on IR, it's good to see that there's somebody else. We need to start to see Dylan Cole a little bit more, too, sprinkled in. Um, but, you know, I feel good about Tyrell Adams for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, Tyrell Adams is kind of in between both um... – Dylan Cole and Bernardrick McKinney. He's not as good of a run defender as BMAC, but he's better at Cole at the run. He's not as good at the pass as Cole, but he's better than BMAC at the pass. So hopefully he'll he'll be good. He'll be fine. Um, he showed um, great ability last year. He just in spots. Now he's going to get a nice long look, and this is also his contract year. So hopefully he goes out and belt. He just balls out. Yeah. Um. All right. Tyrell Adams, Zach Cunningham. Yeah, Zach Cunningham, this is probably his best game of the season. Um, he looked he looked a lot better tackling. The fundamentals of tackling seemed to uh, – everything that Romeo preached this week, it looked like it, uh, you know, it stuck, it, it's, it stuck with Zach during, during practice this week. Um, you know, those are the types of games that we expect Zach Cunningham to have. Uh, and, I mean, I don't know what else to say about him. I mean, he's great when he's, when he's on top of it. Uh, all right, defensive line. Uh, Charles Menhew, P.J. Hall, both had really good games. Uh, P.J. Hall is becoming more of a, uh, you know, a disruptor. But what do you see from the defensive line, John? No, uh, they're better set to go up against passers, um, which is strange. <laughs> um, they played a little bit more um, – they played with a little bit more discipline than they have in the past. So that was something to be excited about. Um, again, Aminahieu, good role player, PJ Hall, good disruptor. We're still missing that one piece, but we would be so screwed if the Raiders didn't release PJ Hall. Like, he's been absolutely vital. Uh, JJ is playing more discipline than he probably ever has, but he's still pushing the pocket. He's still on the, he still creates, um, what is it? The smaller, a smaller pocket. He's still creating pressure. He's just not he's not finishing right now. I mean, two sacks for the year, and they came in bunches, so we'll see. But like you said earlier, Merciless doesn't have those sacks about him. Yeah, I mean, J.J. plays an, an intricate role in this defense, kind of frees everybody up. Um, you know, he hasn't – the stat the, the, the sacks haven't been there, the stats haven't been there, but he's definitely making an impact. His presence is definitely being felt. It's just not a way that most Texans fans are – uh, used to seeing from him, right? You're used to seeing, you know, the sacks by this time, you know, you know, in usual years, he'd already have about five, you know, four or five, six sacks. Um, well, he's, you know, not he's been lining been up at, he hasn't been lining up at the 11 tech. He hasn't been, been moving just him around. way outside. Like he's yep. stick in the middle. He's doing what they're asking him to do. Yeah. But he's also, he, he did play predominantly on the outside. And, and my, my biggest complaint with JJ, who I'll never criticize again, but the, the one thing I'd like to see him, um, clean up is just 
being able to maintain um, when when rushing the passer. He tends to go outside a little too much, and his spin move he, he really lacks the spin move. It's all it's all bull rush. It's all you know. It's all power moves from JJ. You don't see there's no there's no finesse in his game. So if he can't beat you off the snap, you know there's a good chance that he's not going to get to you unless you're just holding on to the ball too long. Which is kind of crazy how often he got held this past game though. Oh, but he I did actually, get held a lot. I thought that they were going to hurt him again, the way that they were bending his back. As a guy that has had, like, after having that back surgery, having those back injuries, the way that he bent backwards because of a couple of those holds, like, dude, that scared me. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's let's uh, let's actually bring in Jordan here as we finish up the defensive side because we're going to talk about Lonnie Johnson's play at safety. First and foremost, sir, I'm sorry to hear about uh, your hedgehog. Um, I know, I'm sure you're, you know. Nothing we could say, but yeah, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's it's been tough now, but I'm trying to power through. That That's definitely all you helped. can do, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we can talk football. Get your mind off it a little bit. So, um, so we're 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 on to the secondary, and you know, there's lots of talk about Lonnie Johnson. Um, I specifically watched the offense on the All 22 uh, this morning. I didn't watch much of the defense. Um, tell me what you saw from Lonnie at safety. Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of with you in the same boat. I focused mainly on the offense, and I was looking at the front seven and the run defense with the all-22. I haven't really looked at the secondary yet, but just on the couple of plays that um, I did notice, like Lonnie was he was tackling pretty well, which I like. He's Earlier in the season when he was starting at safety, he was having a little some issues just reading the plays in front of him, just like a split second behind. Um, in this play, in this game, I noticed a couple of plays where he, once he sees it, he reads it, and boom, he's going, and he's breaking on the ball. And so I think we're just going to continue to see that progress throughout the season because it seems like they're sticking him at safety, no moving back and forth to cornerback, which I like. If you're going to put him at safety, keep him there, let him be comfortable and learn it. So um, it was a solid game by Lonnie. The main thing with our safeties is, like, basically just don't make mistakes. If we're not noticing you out on the field, if we're not calling your name and bitching at you, that's a good thing. And there was no complaining with Lonnie on Sunday, so. A good game by him. Yeah, I would agree. You know, I I didn't see much of I like I didn't see any issues from Lonnie. Um, you know, he always keeps his eyes back there. Um, it's kind of what you want to see from a safety. It's kind of what why we I've I've been somewhat of an advocate for him to play safety. I, I still would like to see him play corner, but I think that that ship has sailed at this point. Um, but yeah, I think Lonnie has potential. You got to remember, new position, new year. Uh, you know, he hasn't had any experience, and it's going to take him some time to really get going. But he, I mean, he's always been a pretty good tackler, uh, and he's aggressive, which is what you look for in a safety. Um, could come back to bite him in the ass, but uh, you, that's still what you look for. That's why we wanted Earl Thomas, right? Uh, Earl Thomas was a risk taker. He was able to go out and make plays, and you know, Lonnie has shown that he could potentially do the same thing. Um, Justin Reed, yeah, six big tackle. I mean, six tackles, but really some big ones. Uh, there was a couple on third down. I mean, Justin Reed, you know, I, Jordan, is it fair to say that we should just let go of, like, Jordan – I mean, Justin playing single high and, and dropping back into coverage? So, uh, he, he's his brother. He does it occasionally here and there. And, and here's my thing about Jerry. I love the dude. I love the player. I love the person. He's someone who can do anything you ask of him. On the football field, he can do it for sure. He's not going to be a liability, but he's also not going to be elite in any one thing. And we're seeing right. this year, they want him in the box. They want him helping on the run. They want him covering tight ends. And they're going to put Eric Murray and now even Lonnie Johnson back there as a single high, the deep coverage guy. And so 
I don't know if the ship has sailed yet, especially with a new regime coming in. we likely going to have a new defensive coordinator, new scheme, and they could want to move Jay Reed back there. So we don't know for sure yet. But for the rest of the season with Rack and, and what Weaver wants to do, it, that's, it seems like the case. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, Jordan, Tybo, on kind of your thoughts on the game. Uh, give us your, you know, before we get into the question and answers, what were your what was your takeaways? How should you feel? How should they feel optimistically about this team moving forward? Yeah, I definitely feel like there's reasons for optimism. I think the biggest thing to take away is that this team, and they're, all the players are tweeting about it, but they're having fun again. They want to play for Rack. They want to play for the Texans organization and for us fans. And that's the biggest thing because we could tell after, from week one, two, three, four, it was just, it was going downhill, the morale of the team. Yeah. And so turn around, there's, we're back. Um, I like what I saw from Tim Kelly. There were definitely some some differences in play calling, and and it's only one game so far, and it is against the Jaguars. So we got to pump the brakes a little bit. We're not going to say we're going twelve and four or whatever, but there's definitely reason for optimism and, and things to look forward to. So it was great. Yeah, and that's a, that's how I opened the show. It's just like kind of pump the brakes because it was the Jags. They were missing all sorts of key players on defense. So let's see what they do this week against the Titans. But it was a great warm up game. It was a great get right game. And, you know, on a short week with the decisions of, you know, letting Bill O'Brien go, you, you can't think, you know, you have to think they weren't able to implement a ton of new things. It looked like they went back to some of the things they did in 17, but it didn't look like there was a lot of new things that they've that they've never done before. And so I would think that this week they'll get a little bit more creative and we'll start to see some different things. Um, John, anything else on this game? No, just like I said earlier, um, we'll really know. Um, this coming Sunday, depending on how we show up against the Titans, how how excited we should be. But sometimes you need a good, uh, just a good, solid get right game, and that's what this was. And yeah, uh, sometimes you need a little practice. Sometimes you need things to be a little easier so you can get a little bit of confidence. Sometimes you need things to just kind of be there and fall into place, like the Jacksonville's defense, you know, being a shell of itself, so the offense could get on the right page and try things and see what would work and they were able to do that, so I'm actually excited going forward. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jordan, let's get to the questions uh, from the listeners. All right, so you can ask me questions on Twitter. Um, first one comes from his at used to be at Fire Bill O'Brien, but now that that's gone, his at is now hey. at he's gone finally. Um, appreciate you, brother. <laughs> always, always with it. All right, so he says thoughts on Le'Veon Bell. Um, and why does Max Sharpen keep getting benched? He's the only young, cheap talent we have, and Calamante is taking all the snaps. So first thing, Le'Veon Bell, I don't know if you guys have talked about it yet, but James, what are your thoughts on him? Um, I just, you know, sure, if, if he signs a bet minimum, I'm sure it makes a ton of sense. I, I, I get that we want another running back to pair with, with Duke and David, um, but I, I just don't know if we're going to get anything that we haven't already gotten from Duke or David, to be honest with you. Like, well, I haven't seen any good film from Le'Veon in two years. Uh, so, I, I mean, if it happens, great. It's a, it's a risk worth taking. Uh, he has $6 million of salary left for this year. If he wants to sign with us, great. Let's do it. Uh, but I just, if not, it's not going to be something I'm really thinking about. Like, if I see an Adam Schefter notification tomorrow that we signed him, cool. You know, I'd be optimistic, but... Uh, I wouldn't say, you know, send the full court press. Don't treat him like he's LeBron and you need to recruit him in the off season. That's just not it for me. And then what was the first part of it? So then the second part was, um, we get this question every week, but basically what is going on with Max Sharping? Why is he being benched in favor of Kelamento? Uh, I think um, I think for me, it, this is just 
my opinion, but I think it's more of consistency and there's a sense of urgency on the team. You know, if they lose another game, it's going to be, you know, you're talking about a, we're already having an uphill climb. It, you know, it's ten, times 10 at that point. You know, is it more, let's get, you know, a, senior, a veteran guy in here to, you know, to play a little bit better than, and, and be more consistent. Um, Max is the future, and we saw it on film, and you and I both know. We, we talked about it all offseason. We love Max. He had a great season last year, but he didn't. it didn't look like he added any power to his game this year, and he looks the same. He didn't add any power anywhere in his game, and that's why he's struggling is because he didn't. Yeah, you you kind of answered exa- it exactly how I would have heard both of those questions. Bell, we don't we're not we're not screaming his name just yet. He he's a shell of himself of who he was with the Steelers. And what Jets fans will tell you is that he hasn't been in a put put in a position to succeed. And but if you look at our situation, we're not exactly putting David Johnson into into a position to succeed as well. So I don't I don't think that Bell is going to be a, a major upgrade over David Johnson. I would be down with him on the team, but again, like you said, he's not LeBron. Um, and then, yeah, with with Sharping, the only way I can kind of justify it and see where the coaches are coming from is that you reward a veteran for for playing well and practice and working hard, whatever, but you're also kind of punishing the rookie for that rookie to sophomore jump, not making an improvement, looking like the same player and not working on maybe what the coaching staff told you to work on. That's the only way I can justify it because I just don't see the point in killing a young player's confidence like that, especially someone who's shown promise already. Um, but moving on, we'll get to you. Did we lose Jordan? I think we did lose Jordan. Um He'll be back. College kid. That's what happens. You know, is he still uh, at the in the middle of the woods in Canada? I'm back. No, there he is. There he is. <laughs> I don't know. My Wi-Fi is just horrible. But basically, Romeo Cornell time asks, should we expect Lonnie Johnson to get the same amount of snaps going forward? I believe he was around 80-something percent this game. What do you think, John? I'm sorry. You said Lonnie Johnson? Yes. Uh, maybe. I don't – I would guess so. I would assume at this point with them um, – I mean, Weaver and Rack are in charge of the defense for the rest of the year, and it looks like he's letting Weaver run the show. And it must have been Weaver that sees something with Lonnie as the safety. And, you know, Lonnie – I've talked about it when we drafted him. I talked about it in this draft recap this past year. Lonnie was one of those players that if he failed at being a corner, he was going to turn into a very good safety. And so maybe they've just decided that he's going to be a very good safety. And I think that's all right. We do operate better as a defense when we have two players in the back, when we have two strong, two really good safeties. It gets confusing if I say two strong safeties, but two guys that can do things interchangeably. And him and Jay Reed can. And granted, we really haven't seen it yet, but I think that's kind of on purpose. I think that they're trying to put – I think defenses are trying to scheme up so – Lonnie is single high, and you get uh, Reed in coverage because it's, Reed's not quite as strong in coverage. But I think that that'll probably continue because I think that Johnson actually still does it. If you consider him as a safety in coverage, he's fantastic. If you consider him as a corner in coverage, he needs some work. So, you know, it, it works for me. Yeah. Um, I think the, the question 
The only thing that could kind of eat into Lonnie's snaps are when A.J. Moore comes back, who's going to start at safety, and then when and if Gary on Conley comes back this season, if they put him outside, they put Vernon Hargraves back in the nickel, then that moves Eric Murray, who's now in the nickel, back to safety possibly. Who knows? So those are the kind of the only things I could see um, hurting Lonnie's snaps. But like you said, like he's he's shown promise. Um, I hope they keep him there because he's he's definitely he should be part of the future. All right, next question from Dion Williams. He says, how can we hand the Titans their first loss this Sunday, James? Did you guys get into this before? I think you did, no? No, we haven't gotten into it yet. This is actually perfect. Um, well, you're going to have to play good run defense, and you're going to have to let them dink and dunk their way to to the end zone if you're going to want to have a chance of slowing them down. Uh, you can't let A.J. Brown get going. Um you know, I think I think Bradley Roby is I think Bradley Roby is quietly having the best season for a defensive player on this team. I, I I don't think people realize how good Bradley Roby has been this season, and it's because you don't hear his name a lot, which is a sign of a of a corner shutting down his his guy. Um, so yeah, I mean, slow down the run. Uh, you know, get ahead early, make them abandon the run. That's one of the biggest reasons why we had success against the run this last week is because when you have a score, you're forcing them to change it and evolve their game plan, and they, they can't go back to the run as often as they would like. That's our weakness. Every Everybody knows it. But if you get up, they're going to have to start to throw the ball a little bit more, especially in the second half. So I would like to see us come out quick, come out fast, score. This needs to be one of those games where uh, first drive isn't just a four-play drive. It's a, you know, it's a drive where we go down and score and put points on the board. And it can't be something we let up. Absolutely. And and I think we have a good chance of doing that this week. I don't know what happened with the Bills offense today. I didn't watch the game, but the Titans defense is horrendous. I talked about it in the offseason, them losing their defensive coordinator, Dean Pease, and Mike Vrabel taking over. That's a bad move for them. And they're in the bottom of basically every defensive metric you can look at. There's not enough talent on that roster to make up for their lack of scheme right now. And I think, like you said, we need to get off to a hot start. Um, I always advocate for us to receive the ball at half, um, but this could be one of those few games where you want the ball first, you want to come out hot, guns blazing, put points up on the board, um, and I think we got the ability to do that as long as we keep up with what we saw versus the Jags. All right, next one from at Real Spartan twenty one. He says, "How do you?" How do you think Tyrell Adams will do the rest of the season? So with Bernard McKinney, unfortunately, being out, Tyrell Adams, he stepped in. He played real well. He had 13 total tackles, seven solo. How do you think about it? What do you think about his performance, John? Your mic's muted, by the way. Did we lose, John? Oh, there we go. <laughs> Um, I think that he actually fits the modern NFL game and modern NFL scheme a little bit better than BMAC. We've talked about at length that 15 years ago, BMAC, probably perennial all-pro, like a guy that you're really talking a lot higher about than he is here, where he's like an every-other-year all-pro, or, or pro bowler, I'm sorry, not all-pro. But with Tyrell Adams, he, yeah, he's not going to be as good of a run-stopper. He's not as good as Cole is in coverage, but he's a nice mixture of the two. He's a little bit more flexible, um, and he can – he can stay with running backs a little bit better than BMAC can. So I'm not happy that BMAC is hurt because especially this week, um, cause he was, he was Derrick Henry's kryptonite. Like Derrick Henry never had a good game against BMAC. So 
but I so I think that our defense may slightly improve just because of the flexibility that Tyrell Adams gives, but this week is probably going to suck. Yeah, I think he showed a decent ability to kind of beat blocks and play that mic role uh, to replace BMAC, and that's something we're going to see. We need to see big time next week because everything stems on stopping Derrick Henley like we've talked about, and it'll be the big test. You know, one game sample size. I like what we saw against the Jags, but, again, it's only one game. Um, so we'll, yeah, we'll hey, see how he does the rest uh, of the season. Make sure you guys go to manscaped.com, use promo code TEXANS for 20% off your uh, first order. In case you guys are wondering what happens when you use Manscaped, if you guys actually take hey, a Whoa, whoa, take whoa, a quick, whoa, 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 oh. James, James. We're on video yeah. now. We're on oh. video. This isn't so like the old days where – <laughs> oh, okay. Well, if you guys want to use the lawnmower 3.0 to take care of those man genitals to make sure that they're soft and pretty and nice and shiny for everybody that wants to uh, have their go at your schlong, then uh, make sure you guys use uh, promo code Texans on Manscaped.com. All right, go ahead, Jordan. That's actually that's perfect. That's that's it for me for the for the Q and A. We all done. <laughs> Can't really follow that. Now. I think the uh, chat is actually waiting for you to get an OnlyFans at this point, James. <laughs> hey, let's go. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. We're not doing that. Uh, I just thought it'd be funny. Uh, all right. Um, so I guess let's give our predictions for this Titans game. Uh, look, I, I understand that the Bills. You know, they, they, I think they had an off day. I, I, I am not going to say that these are the Bills. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I haven't heard the word TP in, in like the last like 25 years. Like, like, not even my kids ever said that. All right, so it was never that. That's that's just a funny word for a grown man to use. Uh, anyways, um, I think I think they had an off night. I, I don't. This Titans defense is not very good. I can care less what they did against the Bills. I don't expect that to be the same outcome. Um, they've been practicing for the Bills for like you know. 14 days, they should be prepared. I don't know how that's not a talking point once their game last week was moved. Uh, so they knew who their opponent was. The Bills, on the other hand, had no idea who their opponent was. They were preparing for their next Sunday game, or, yeah, Saturday or Sunday? Sunday, I think. Um, and I, I think the Titans' defense is trash. I don't expect them to come out. I don't expect Malcolm Butler to pick off um, uh, Deshaun Watson twice. I, I don't I, I don't see their corners being able to hang with our wide receivers, and I think that this will be a very similar game to what we saw from Deshaun his rookie year when they played the Titans and dropped, I think it was 54 on the Titans. I'm not saying that they'll drop 54, but I do think that Deshaun's going to come out, and I think his offense is going to be ready to roll. That's just my thought. I think the Titans, I think the Texans beat the Titans. Did we lose Jordan? Oh, sorry. Um, my prediction, oh, man. I think I'm going to say that we're going to take the L this week just because our run defense has, has not shown the ability yet to stop um, really anything other than the Jaguars. And the Titans are a different monster. I think particularly what they do well is attack the edge. And right now our, our edge-setting ability is just not there whatsoever. Um, like you said, though, if we do get up to a big lead and force them to pass, that is definitely the formula. Um, I just I don't think we've seen enough for me to be completely confident in, in predicting that to happen yet. But I think it will definitely be a close game, um, probably like a three-point loss or something. John? You know, I'm going to say that we're going to lose as well. Um, the Titans just come out. They looked a little 
for a team that was supposedly all sick, they looked a lot fresher against Buffalo. And granted, there is something with Buffalo just absolutely getting jerked around by the NFL. Like, it was unfair what happened to them. And, you know, with with us, we at least know which team we're playing. The Titans are coming on a short short week. But Derrick Henry currently scares me. A.J. Brown, he looked good. He looks healthy again. He scares me. So I'm not overly optimistic. However, if we come out hot, we come out and score a couple in in the first quarter, then I've reserved the right to change my prediction because that's that's it. We're going to probably know within the first quarter. If Deshaun's out there and Deshaun is doing Deshaun things, we're good. If if not, it's going to suck, and I don't want to listen to my dad. So I, I might have to just turn my phone off. All right. Um, real quick, let's talk about Gary and Conley. I know the last we heard was Bill O'Brien uh, said that he's he's far, far away. Do we think that there's a chance that with the new regime that Gary and Conley gets going sooner rather than later? Or do we think that he really is far, far away? Because this defense could use Gary and – Jordan, I always talk about him, so I'm going to let you talk a little bit about what adding Gary and Conley – can do for this defense. I don't think people realize what having another competent number two cornerback can do for this defense. Yeah. So first of all, I, I do think he's still pretty far away. I think if he was anywhere near being close, I think Bill O'Brien would have rushed him to get back to playing because he was under pressure for his job. So I, I think his injury is legit and I don't think he's going to be here in the next even two or three, four weeks. Um, but what he does add to the defense is legit cornerback one. And we talked all offseason about how great he is, how he's the best cornerback on the team. And I'm super happy for Bradley Roby balling out right now. But in my opinion, Gary Conley is still a better cornerback than him. And having two lockdown, because now Roby's playing at a lockdown level, two lockdown cornerbacks on the outside, that does so much for this team. And the only reason why Vernon Hargraves isn't even getting more exposed than he already is, is because teams have just been running it down our throat. They don't need to pass it on us right now. They can run it. If we ever get to the point where our run defense is stronger, forces them into more passing situations, you'll see Vernon Hargraves get burnt left and right. But we can avoid that entirely if Gary on Conley returns, and that will improve our already statistically good pass defense a whole lot. Yep, no, agreed. All right, uh, guys, make sure you guys go to patreon.com backslash Texans Unfiltered if you guys want live, game, uh, live Sunday reactions from uh, Jordan, myself, and John. Uh, make sure you guys go to TexansUnfiltered.com. Lots of good stuff on there. My piece should be up by the end of the week, talking about the most important decision that this franchise is going to have to make over the next two to three months. And uh, make sure you guys follow us and hit that subscribe button, like, like button on YouTube, and you can follow the podcast on any podcast platform. With that being said, I am out. John is out. Jordan is out. We will catch you guys next week.